0: All right, we are back. So we're going to wrap up. I am enjoying this, not having this five-minute rule, man. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it because I think that last one went like 15 minutes. So that's that's always fun when you can go off, you know, on different types of tangents and not have to worry about getting cut off at a five-minute mark.
1: Or having to forget what you were going to talk about and then move to something else in the next segment.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so let's go on to – So I don't know if you saw this, but Vince Russo is getting a lot of heat for a comment he made on his podcast about Nia Jax. He pretty much, you know, told Nia Jax, and I quote, Nia Jax needs to lose some weight. So pretty much, you know, body shamed her, fat shamed her, you know, whatever you want to say. And the internet, oh my gosh, he has gotten so much heat right on his doorstep. I don't know what the hell. Vince, Russo
1: I have followed. I have followed a lot of his stuff, especially after he left, and I listened to a lot of his podcasts. I feel like Vince Russo doesn't know when to shut up, and that's just me. Now, I'm not saying that Nia Jax should keep the weight, lose the weight. I think she looks good. Yeah. However, Vince Russo has a way of coming to, coming across, and I don't think he necessarily means it, uh, except for the stuff with him and Jim Cornette. But I, I think he he doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, in in a negative way, but I think with his accent and the way he comes across, he comes across as a dick. And when you come across like that, you need to learn how to keep your mouth closed.
0: Well, that's the thing. I, you know what, Jim Cornette? We all know he says things because he. Some some people think it's just because he wants to hear you know hear himself talk or, or because he sincerely means it. I'm going to go on the other side of the fence here and say I think Vince Russo means about 99.9% of the things he says, and here's why. Because at other times, he will, he will repeat it. Like, for example, if he thinks Raw was bad because of um, – you know, or I'm sorry, SmackDown was bad because Sami Zayn looks like a guy who should be bagging his groceries. He always harps on certain talent for the same thing in the same way.
1: Well, okay, I do have to agree with you there. And I, I guess there's probably devil's advocate here. I know it's usually your thing, but I, I, I guess what he's trying to say, at least the way I take it is he doesn't want to see a 120-pound guy that would bag your groceries at the local Walmart being in the ring. However, and compared to compared to the attitude, ever, I can see his point. However, Sami Zayn does not look like someone that would bag my groceries at the Walmart, at least not to me. I, I, I get what he says, and I get what you say, especially with – he won't shut up about how much better Rob would be with him or how much it just went down. I think part of it's still bitterness on his part. Um, I will say I love Jim Cornette. I, I, not as a talent, but just as, as a person in the wrestling business. He's probably going to be my favorite guy. That's not my second favorite guy. I love Jim Cornette. i listen, I on the YouTube channel, uh, Drive Through with uh, Jim Cornette, and he's got the Jim Cornette experience. I, hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. hilarious.
0: We need to book him and Santino Marella for WrestleMania this year. Book him. Um, oh,
1: good Lord, that'll get taken down fashion in the Facebook Live you did last night.
0: <laughs> yeah, <That's laughs> we're not gonna go there. But right <laughs> listen, Vince Russo, credit credit given for how he helped. You know, Vince McMahon. Actually, you know what? Everyone thinks Vince Russo is the one that should get all the credit for turning that de- for turning around WWE. I don't think so. I think it's Vince McMahon, and here's why. Vince ultimately had to make the decision to put Vince Russo in that spot. Granted, Vince Russo made an interesting case for himself. He pleaded his case. But eventually, Vince McMahon actually made the ultimate call. And it's not like Vince Russo had free reign to just go out there and throw whatever he wanted out there. He threw it. He had something to throw it at. It's like the the equivalent of having a dartboard. And you throw a hundred things at it, and only maybe two of them sticks. But that dartboard was Vince McMahon, and Vince is the one that said, "You know what? Eh, good idea. Eh, not a good idea." So I'll give him credit for coming up with the ideas. But all also- Vince, oh, you have me any- yet? Go ahead. Yeah, you have to give credit to Vince. You have to at the end of the day because if he's the one that says no to any of it, are we here right now?
1: Give Vince—I mean, you, Vince McMahon also makes a decision—and and give Vince Russo some credit. I'm not saying he's just the dumbest person ever. However, this is my case. Like you said, everything he did went through Vince McMahon. If you look at some of the ideas, then he, you can look him up on YouTube. Some of the ideas he had—you know—god awful. My case, whenever Vince Russo wants to say that he should get all the credit, is go look at what he did in WCW afterwards—a uh, Judy Bagwell on a forklift match,
0: Viagra on a pole
1: match. Let me say that again, Judy Bagwell on a forklift match that would not have got over in WWE pole match. Not not even the match that he did. It was Booker T and Jeff Jarrett, and it was uh, there was four wooden boxes hanging from each pole. One of them had the world champion in it. The other ones had I want to say some pills, maybe I know one of them had a had a a picture frame of, of a wrestler. I can't remember who. I mean, if you look at what. What Vince Russo did in WCW afterwards when he had no one to bounce that stuff off of I mean it was, it was horrible and yeah you can say okay well Vince Russo was the one that you know helped Vince McMahon get the edgier the content on there. Yeah. but then again you can also say and go and look that yeah Vince Russo was a supporter of DX but the one that really got the stuff edgy that really got the edgy stuff over was Shawn Michaels and Triple H was Shawn Michaels. they're the ones that really got the edgy stuff to go over first once that was approved, then you can have, you can say, well, Vince Russo came in after it's approved. That's what I believe because Vince Russo will tell you all day long that, you know, he was the one that did Stone Cold. He was the one that did, uh, he did Austin. He got The Rock, all those characters, that was all him. Now, you can give credit for stuff like it was Vince Russo's idea by Triple H's own admission to have Billy Gunn and, and Rodog join DX. Yeah. But then you've got Vince Russo going and supporting ideas like putting uh, Terry Funk in pantyhose and calling him Chainsaw Charlie. So, yeah, give him some credit. Not that much credit.
0: I didn't really necessarily think that was such a bad thing for Terry Funk back then. I mean, to me, you could have probably done without the pantyhose. You probably could have done something else if you wanted to go there. I, I see that point. But calling him Chainsaw Charlie and giving him more of an edge, like a more like, oh my god, like... Terry Funk has been around so long. What can Terry Funk give us that we haven't already seen? There you go. You can have him with a chainsaw in his hand and him going with a chainsaw. And I thought that was actually kind of clever.
1: Oh, well, um, until they put him in pantyhose.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, don't forget a, Vi- a, a Viagra, Viagra, you know, on a pole match. Remember that one?
1: Yeah. And, and look at the Bachelor of the Beach 2000. How they screwed the van. He made himself a world champion, and I know Vince McMahon did the same thing. But Vince McMahon is still in the business today, and Vince Russo was not.
0: Well, and listen, and the difference between Vince McMahon and Vince Russo is that Vince McMahon's story in that rivalry made sense, meaning it made sense that it led to that. But it also made sense that it that he relinquished it. What on Monday Night Raw just three days later.
1: So yeah, maybe it was six days later. Well, it's just like it's just like okay. This man won the Royal Rumble, and I want to say it was nineteen ninety nine. He won the Rumble, and Vince Russo made the comment that people compare him to Vince and how Vince booked himself. Okay, yes, Vince won the Rumble ninety nine. However, the next night on Raw, he gave what was he? I want to say he gave his spot. Who was gonna
0: give his spot? He to, relinquished his spot, and then Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold came up on the Titans on. That's right. Stone Cold was with Shawn Michaels, and Stone Cold made, you know, tried to make a deal with Vince, saying, "You and me, one month from now, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. If I win, I get to go on the WrestleMania to fight The Rock. If I lose, then I don't."
1: Exactly, and then Stone and um, uh, sacrificing the one Rumble victory was small compared to the whole story that they were telling, and that was the first time that they had hooked up in the cage match, and they had tried it a year before, but then there was, you know, interference. And so to get Austin and Rock in that one match, and then you had Paul White debut, the big show, Stone Cold won, and then since Stone Cold didn't beat McMahon, and McMahon didn't beat Stone Cold, technically Paul White threw Stone Cold out, and he touched the floor, and then it kept kept, kept the story going.
0: And that's the difference. There was a story. Vince... Russo didn't have a story Vince Russo was pretty much grasping at straws hoping that you know one of his sparks would light you know would light a fire and it didn't it didn't make sense Vince McMahon's stories made sense because it was a you know it was a going on with the long running feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin so as you sit there and you're going you know what man what can they do to keep this thing going what can they do to keep it fresh because it's been so long they always had ideas and it was because of Vince and Vince Russo but I think Vince Russo was sent to, w- to WCW to kill it. What? I don't think Vince Russo is as stupid as he thinks we think he is. What? I think Vince sent him there, and I think Vince said, listen, contract's expiring. They're going to want you. You're going to sign on. And here's why I think that. He told Bret Hart one year after letting him sign a 20-year contract for a large you know, sum of money – I want you to go to WCW. I want you to want you to get the best deal possible. This is why I think it's not out of the realm of possibilities that Vince McMahon sent Vince Russo to kill him.
1: To play on that, my theory is Vince knew, McMahon knew that Vince Russo wasn't a dumb guy. Exactly. I think he also knew that if he was to go to WCW, with the ideas that... Russo has, it wouldn't last very long. So I think Vince let him go, or not, not, not let him go, but you know, so okay, go ahead and I think that Vince didn't necessarily make a play to keep him, or because I think he knew what was going to happen and eventually WCW would go under. My favorite Vince Russo angle that ever made it was when it was Val Venus, and he was feuding with Kai and Tai, and it was the famous choppy off my pee Yeah,
0: Yeah. Chop, yeah, that's right.
1: Mr. That Yamaguchi was my son, favorite.
0: Mr. Yamaguchi son. You're chop off your PP. Pee pee. Yes, that's right. Yep.
1: That was my favorite. So the next week revealed that uh, it got too cold and it, his, his penis shrunk and that he didn't actually lose it. <laughs> Valvinas, that is. That's, right. that's, that's the contributions that uh, Vince Russo gave. And let me say it one more time. Judy Bagwell on a forklift match <laughs> on a pole match. On a forklift.
0: No, no, no. On a forklift.
1: And, and Viagra on a pole match. That yeah, exactly. never got through in WWE, and that's just proof that, okay, Vince might not be the dumbest person, Russo that is, but he sure as hell ain't the smartest. Don't get me wrong. Vince has had some, some you know, crazy... I mean, Vince McMahon fought God, okay? So, no, I'm not saying Vince is the smartest man ever. He fought God in a match. Shawn,
0: Shawn Michaels versus God, yeah.
1: He yeah. so fell the first time, and the World Bodybuilding Federation... I mean, he's had stuff that's failed too, but however, Vince McMahon's still in business and he's done it for 15 years without Vince Russo.
0: That's right. And listen, uh, I think when Vince Russo in 2001, yeah, 2000, when he went to WCW, I thought back then, and, and I remember watching this happen, the new, was it the new blood? I believe it was. Yes. Part of my, part of my Facebook group, the new blood versus the millionaires club. Now I thought that was an interesting angle and I felt like it could have worked if, if those guys, the millionaires club would have put quite a few of those other guys over to help build, you know, to help build the new stars. Because by the time you got in the late, you know, 2000, yeah, Booker T became champion, and in that short time, he became a five-time champion, and when you finally started, that late to try to build stars, it was too late.
1: Well, yeah, because at that point, uh, back when Booker T became champion, and this was nothing to take nothing to Booker T, but in the main event scene, you had Sting still, and you had Goldberg, but he was doing stuff for like Chronic, And but you had Jeff Jarrett, Booker T, Sting, Kevin Adams was there for a little bit in 2000, and, and, and that was basically it. No, but everybody else was nobody's. I mean, you you had nobody. All the main event top stars that should have put stars over before they left were already gone. Didn't do any jobs. So now you have basically a whole roster full of new talent that hasn't had the rub from the old talent. Like Undertaker's done for Roman, and you know, like like Cena's done here lately, and for Nakamura, and and stuff like that. It was too late. You can't you can't build stars. You can't have two nobodies fight each other and build a star. I mean, you can, but realistically, look at Jeff Jarrett. Hey, most of those guys were nobodies. And Jeff Jarrett was really the biggest star they had. So he was in the management scene, and yeah, he was champion for a while. We talked about this the other night, but eventually he was putting people people over like AJ Styles. He put people over like uh, Raven, and he put people over and, and made stars. Um You know, it it was too late. And if you look at the name, the Millionaires Club versus the New Blood, it tells you right there the Millionaires Club. They're the people that have, they're the ones that are running WCW. They're the ones that, you know, got all the big money. They weren't going to do no jobs. Well, I mean, I I mean, again,
0: you had, I mean, Luger was still there. I mean, Luger, Sting, you had Flair still there. You had Scott Steiner. You had, you know, like all, you had Hogan up until. I think it was what was it? Bash at the Beach. Bash
1: at the Beach 2000.
0: When that, you know, when that infamous promo of, you know, Jeff Jarrett laying down and having Hogan, you know, pin him and Hogan say, "This is the reason why the company is in, you know, is in the shape that it's in." I always took exception of that because I always believed the reason why the company was in the shape that it was in, it wasn't necessarily because of the decisions of Vince Russo. I think it was because of, of the decisions of guys like Hulk Hogan of guys like Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Eric Bischoff the one who decides to give creative control to those gentlemen and 100% and it's, Vince Russo came into a very bad situation and it's like you know it's like you know one day you, and, and, and this terminology I'm going to use you know I'm not trying to be insensitive but you know it's like one day you know a, you know a hurricane blows through your store or blows through your town and the next day you're having people come in and then all of a sudden have to try to clean up the impossible mess. Eric Bischoff left a hurricane's mess for you know for for eventually when Russo came in. And I still think Russo was there to finish the job, but that's another point. But again, Vince Russo, I do believe him when he says that he was there to try to get guys like Booker T the young guys. Like I, I honestly believe at the time he really meant that. Yeah. But ultimately though. I think, you know, and if Goldberg's streak does not end at the hands of Kevin Nash the way it did, I'll go as far as to say right now, WCW's still in business. I think if somebody would have come up with a better way for the streak to end, that would have elevated another star, maybe, maybe, maybe Booker T could have been that guy. Booker T could have been the guy to end the streak. And then you raise him up there, and then then Booker T turns around, and he raises guys it's a nominal effect if you do it right. And WCW screwed it up by having Scott, Natt, Scott Hall taser Goldberg with a damn taser.
1: I mean, if Kevin Nash wasn't a well known star and Kevin Nash just beat it and you're building him up, I get that. And just to do a quick history, I mean, when Goldberg streak ended. You know, that was one of the things that was one of the main things that they had going was Goldberg. Gregory came in, wasn't even there for a year, you know, got injured. I think if you had Goldberg streak still going, you had Bret Hart still going. You had guys like Hogan putting over guys like Booker T. You had guys like Kevin Nash putting over guys, you know, uh, like Jeff Jarrett. And you could have built some of them stars, and I think it would have lasted a lot longer. Because at the un- on the undercard, I mean, you still had some. I mean, you still like you still had Sting for main event. Like you said, Scott Steiner was starting to make his way up. You, you still had some guys like Flair. I mean, they had good guys. It, it's not the talent necessarily uh, based off their names that caused the company to go under. It was, like you said, it was how, it was, how it was booked and how it was ran. And it's, when they do stupid shit like the finger poke of doom, of my language, I, I'll say the stupidest name I've ever seen in wrestling, even stupider, even stupider than the hand grenade or Joey Ryan's, you know, the experience. Yes, yes. Um, but yep. finger poke of doom or you have stuff like, I mean, Oh, what was it? Oh, the Bash at the beach. we I mean, you know, lay down. I mean, that's almost as stupid as the, as the kennel from hell match. Uh, Bossman and Al Snow. Right. It was constantly screwing the fans. And it's not screwing the fans like when, you know, Rumble Rings put in the spot and we don't get to see the guy we want. It was stupid, stupid stuff. And another thing, too, is they gave a lot of stuff on uh, on TV for free away.
0: Hogan and Goldberg was the one match I was gr- I was happy to see. But I would have been okay paying forty-five bucks to see it. Oh, I would have been happy seeing it fill up the Atlanta Georgia Dome with a hundred thousand in it. Also, but, it, but, I think, but like the big show said, it was all about ratings back then for Bishop. It was all about ratings, and that's why he did weekend.
1: Exactly, you know, going back, they, uh, you know, DDP. He was probably my favorite WCW superstar. Uh, DDP and Sting were like my two favorites um, growing up. I felt like you know DDP kind of got you know some stuff from from Scott and Kevin, so some rubs, some push because he was friends with them. But I mean, you still had DDP there. Also, I think DDP and Sting could have could have had a, a great rivalry. I, you know, I feel like uh, Booker T, and DDP, even Scott Sting, DDP, I feel really underrated. And you now he was older, but you know, you had a good good. Amount of talent, but this is something also too compared to WWF. By that time, most of the cruiserweights were gone. The exactly. the, Rangers, the psychosis, the Chris Jericho's, the Malincos, the, the Guerrero's—they were gone. That is perfect. So say that.
0: that is perfect. You say that because that's exactly what I was going to hit on. They're gone. when you lost. <laughs> them, Go ahead. When you lost them, you lost the backbone, like Eddie said. Eddie. Yeah, and. and-
1: you had guys like Three Count who were coming out dancing the Britney Spears songs. And then you had guys like Ernest the Cat Miller, a Disco Inferno. I mean, there's no real there's no real depth in the undercard. And yeah, you might have wanted to tune in to see what the main event was gonna be, you know, at this point, but you weren't wild or the middle for the cruiserweights, they were gone. You didn't have really any of the compelling storylines with the, the United States Championship at that point, the TV titles, whatever that you know it was, that was gone. So you had the names in the main event, but you didn't have the undercard, especially at that point. They were, Nitro was three hours at that point, and they had no, no, no middle card, no undercard. You had just the main event names, and then when you get to the main event, it's a bunch of BS.
0: And that's why it comes back to mid card because and how it was booked. Because if you would have kept the guys like Chris Benoit. If you would have kept Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, and you added a few other guys, like, for example, like a Lance Storm. When he came in there late and he had that whole anti-America gimmick with Canada and he had won those titles and changed them over to, you know, Canadian championships. I thought that was quite interesting. You could have added a few more pieces there to develop your mid-card enough to where you could have elevated guys like Benoit into the main event scene. Guys like Guerrero, who would have made a great main event guy for WCW, and that's how you could have kept the business going.
1: But like- well, and, you know, to look, too, would you okay? Let's let's say 2000s, late, 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 late 99, early 2000, 2001. Would you rather see a Tank Abbott match versus Ernest the Cat Miller or a disco inferno versus a Mike Awesome? Or would you rather see guys like Edge and Christian in the Hardys and the Dudleys tearing it up? Or would you rather see stuff like, you know, uh, you had like uh, Test was around at that time. You had guys like, like I said, Jericho and Ben Wall and Guerrero on WWE side at this point tearing it up for for the IC title. You know, like, what would you rather watch? It's not hard.
0: No, it's not. It's I mean, and Eric Bischoff was so stubborn because he didn't want to push those guys because he didn't see – and see, and this is not the only time Bischoff was ever wrong when it came to people making money. Stone Cold Steve Austin will probably be will probably go down as the biggest mistake Bischoff ever made. Letting him go. Because yeah. after that, we all know the story. He went to ECW. They all of a sudden they like, oh shit. He can talk. They're just gonna, gonna let him go off and he talked. WWE finally got, you know, got the right message with him.
1: Well and, and, and Bischoff is here's here's the most thing i not heard a lot of people say Maybe, Maybe i said it just not the way I'm wording it, but Bischoff was too focused on what he had at that moment in Hogan and Flair and Hall. He did not create stars to carry the company 10 years from now. Yep. Hogan was not going to carry the company from 2000 to 2010. There's no way. Kevin Nash was not going to carry the company. Scott Hall was not going to carry the company. They were not going to carry the company for another 10 years. We had Jeff Jarrett, who was huh, at least an eight a- after it went out. You know, he did his thing with TNA. But Booker T, he, you know, Guerrero, Jericho. Look at Jericho. He's still on there today. And I'm pretty sure Guerrero would be in here today if he hadn't passed away. You know, if Benoit hadn't done what he did, he would probably still be around. Uh, you yeah. have Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio, who's still around. I mean, a lot of the undercard went on the main event in WWE, but they didn't build him up in WCW. And that was the issue. You have, like, a Booker T that was built – Late two thousand and and a Jeff, um, but there were those guys that, that they had with Hogan and the, I'm gonna call them the old timers. Even McFlyer ten years after WCW went out, he retired in L8 Didn't build stars for tomorrow. And when they tried, like say a Goldberg, or you know when when they tried, it, was too, it was too late. and it didn't go as well. And yes, they were stinging there, but he was, and he was already older though. And he went to TNA and did his thing. But Sting, his body work, which is great. But Sting and Hogan and, and, and Nash and Hall and Flair, they couldn't carry the company for another 10 years. they no. were about right then, right there, putting WWE out of business. And had they put WWE out of business, they probably would still be around today because uh, talent would have nowhere to go. But they, they put themselves out of business by not preparing for the future. And I think Vince has been good at is preparing for the future.
0: I'm going to hit on one more point before we wrap this podcast up, and you probably think I'm going to be – you probably are going to think I'm crazy. You're probably going to think this is game just completely out of left field. So I talked about earlier, Vince McMahon told Bret Hart to go get the best deal he could, he could possible after he realized, you know, if I have to, I'll honor the contract because I'm the one that offered it to you. You know, he said he would honor it. But he wanted Bret to go get the best money he could for, you know, however long he wanted to do it. This is a big conspiracy theory here. What if Vince McMahon... Now, you you remember you remember Kevin Nash saying, listen, if you match this, we'll stay. Right. What if Vince McMahon said, why don't you go help destroy WCW? Because it's no secret. They did not like WCW. They had bad runs there. They weren't treated with respect there. What if Vince McMahon... Hypothetically, said, "Listen, if Turner wants to throw around money, you guys go get the best deals you can." Because you notice they really didn't perform like they did in WWE. Because
1: they didn't have exactly. to.
0: Exactly. That's the they point. didn't exactly <laughs> guaranteed money. Now, granted, it took off. And it probably was like, oh. But what if the original concept was you guys are WWE guys? Help me take out WCW. Because listen, I you know, I've been watching a lot of the Nitros again. And now that I know more than I did then, I'm kind of picking up on little things like, hmm. You know, and then I'll watch something of a match from theirs in WWF and I was like, huh. Now granted they didn't have to work. Half the time. Anyway, they were working over 300 days a year.
1: If that's the case, that's the best kept secret in professional wrestling. Now, if Vince sent him over there and, you know, was in cahoots with guys like Holland Nash, it's the biggest kept secret. Unless Vince McMahon said, okay, look, it's, you know, go get your money. We got new stars on the rise. One day you can come back. And Vince had it in his hand that that was going to happen. That's what he had in his head. His head, that's what he planned. But if he actually told the talent, hey, go to WCW to destroy, that's the biggest kept secret because how many people went over there? X-Pac,
0: Hall, Smash. I mean, listen, I'll even take it one step further. This probably doesn't make as much sense, though. It started with Hogan.
1: Hogan and Lugan. Luger and Hogan.
0: Hogan first. Luger. When Nitro hit Now I do Now I do think Vince Didn't take into account that he thought That Nitro would explode When those other guys got there I don't think I don't think he probably took that into account But it did and it probably At a time was like oh You know it's like shoot Well now they have you know Colin Nash I mean you're like shoot We could actually beat these guys And they're like huh You know I think the original Concept was for that that's my opinion. I don't have proof to back it up, and I'm not claiming I do. And I don't usually, you know, tune into conspiracy theories. Really.
1: Well, okay, but if that's the case, that goes back to what we were just talking about. When Hall left, when Hogan left, when Nash left, Vince still had stars to the future.
0: Yeah, he did, and I think he knew that. He knew what he was going to get. He knew if it all went well, what was going to happen. It was a two-part plan. They needed their help, to, you know, to try to take W to slowly bring WCW down to their knees. So maybe WWE didn't feel the pinch, in, you know, in their pocketbooks. Because I was listening to Chris Jericho's podcast about three weeks ago. He had Dave Meltzer on, talking about the 20-year anniversary of the Montreal job. Dave Meltzer talked about during those days when guys like Nash and Hall left, Vince McMahon was taking out loans. To keep the company going, and that's another insight because we, up until now or then, didn't even know how bad it was. Now we knew that you know it was a struggle and you know and everything else, but we didn't know exactly how big of a struggle. When I heard that part, I was like, "Wow!"
1: It doesn't surprise me, especially not with like the the whole steroid trial, how much money they were losing, and you know at that time, in general, the the wrestling business was at a low point since, like, I want to say, like, the 70s, the, the, the early to mid-90s, you know, especially around 394. And I can see why WWE was hurting, because they had guys like Duke the Dumpster, Blank the Clown, which I was a huge fan of Boink the Clown in its work. But if they were, like, Antar, the Bastion Booger, I mean, WCW had a bunch of bland guys, no stories. So it doesn't surprise me at all that Vince had to take loans out.
0: And even that, Vince, uh, I also heard on there that I also learned from that podcast episode was that Vince McMahon adapted the Eric Bischoff pay-per-view plan. And that was to increase the pay-per-views, but I think, if I remember correctly, I could be wrong, don't quote me on this last part, but I think Vince went ahead and extended it to twelve. With, with uh, eight in your houses And then the big four But he increased The cost of it Which kind of Then all of a sudden slowly put him back Into the black Like it put him back into gaming money Not a lot but enough to the point where he could pay off Those loans And it turned things around a little bit And it was because of what Eric Bischoff Did in WCW That that's how Bischoff was able to turn You know turn a profit he raised up the pay-per-view prices a bit but then he cut costs here and you know cut corners you know whatever and eventually he was able to make a profit that's what Vince did to necessarily keep the company going at that time and because let's face it if, if it didn't work we're not here today. we're not talking about this right now
1: nope wrestling would be just as distant as the XFL
0: I think the XFL is going to be a big success but we'll hit on that in another podcast in time alright guys This has been, let's see, this one was over 30 minutes so far. uh, Just about an hour, probably. Just about a little over an hour. So we're going to end this podcast here. Thank you guys for tuning in to the James Sports and Wrestling Podcast. We will be back Saturday if Lane is free. Are you free Saturday? Yeah, I'm free. Sweet. All right, man. So I will let you know the time. I'm thinking somewhere, probably early afternoon.
1: As of right now, I am free. It all depends on mother-in-law. Sounds good. So, but I, I really hope to be here.
0: All right, sounds good. If he's not here, I will be back with you guys sometime Saturday afternoon. You guys have a great rest of your week. If you're out here on the East Coast, stay dry because we're getting four days of straight rain here.
1: So, got- all
0: right, Happy Rusev Day. Oh, come on. Are you <laughs> done with this Rusev Day yet?
1: Nope. If it is Rusev Day,
0: is it not? Bo- I mean, is it not getting annoying to you? Not yet. To anybody who now listen, I'm not meaning to offend anybody. Cody Rhodes has this thing Cody, has this thing with the revival that says, Excuse my language, fuck the revival. So I have something for Rusev Day. Fuck Rusev Day. I am over Rusev Day. I am done with Rusev Day. Why am I? Yeah, why aren't
1: because you like Rusev Day? people? It still gets people irritated. It still makes people angry. <laughs>
0: That's a good point. And I will tell you this Rusev is really benefiting from it. I wish he would have been on SmackDown. Uh, tuesday but he wasn't but hopefully 2018 at least the rest of 2018 after mania rusev starts to get built up into a credible main eventer but we'll also hit on that at another time and place all right guys have a great rest of your week lane thank you we'll talk to you guys soon
1: peace